0: Hello and welcome to another episode of We Ain't Got No Podcast, SB Nation's Chelsea blog, We Ain't Got No Histories, very own podcast, the best and first one to be on the platform. I'm your host, Jimmy Funnel, and as always, I am joined by my brilliant youth god, um, Rams (laughs) Srinivas. Is this this the flavor of the week? (laughs) Oh, this is the flavor of the week. Oh, you bet. You bet. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. got a big show ahead of us haven't we about the youth so how are you doing
1: Do doing good i mean we've been doing very good since like midweek
0: <laughs> so yeah. bring it bring yeah. it yeah well, <laughs> absolutely and as we have been doing in the course of this this podcast we have continually invited guests from our beloved community to come on our show and today we have someone who will join us which has been a community member for quite a few years. He's a frequent commenter on the Daily Hilario. Most of you will know him as the Little Horse. Others will know him as Naren. Naren, welcome to We Ain't Got No Podcast.
2: Uh, Thanks, Jimmy and Ram, for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure.
0: Yes, we're very excited (laughs) to... Uh, have you on um i mean as we have been doing we will of course talk about grimsby town we will talk about Brighton and the upcoming game against lille however we are of course also interested in um the story of our community members so how did they become chelsea fans i mean we are blessed with a very international fan base and especially on when got the history we've got community members from all across the globe, which I personally think is absolutely brilliant. And Naren, tell us a little bit about yourself and how how did you come to be uh, a fan of the most prestigious and best club in the world?
2: Uh, yeah, uh, until about I was fifteen, I used me and my cousins. We used to live together in like in a single house and, uh, it was, I think, the '98 World Cup in France. And when France won my cousins, really, who were like 10 years older than me, they got really excited. And I think Marcel Desai and Frank above, or was it just Desai? I'm not really sure. But yeah, both of them really became a huge fan of him. And they used to watch these occasional matches of Chelsea. I think Desai just moved to Chelsea after the World Cup. I'm not exactly sure, but yeah, probably. And then... Uh, they've watched as many games as they could at that time because it was not you couldn't watch every game there uh and I used to watch the occasional match i I was eight or nine years old when I started like really understanding what football was and mm-hmm. the first match that I remember was the the match that uh i think changed the say modern history or like the modern situation, the current situation of Chelsea football club mm-hmm. where uh Chelsea won against Liverpool at Anfield. Probably because I rewatched it a few other times, but that is the first that is my first memory of, of watching a Chelsea game.
1: When was that? or what what year?
2: I think it was two thousand three or four season, wasn't it? Oh,
1: wow, okay. That
0: yeah. I I wouldn't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah Ram was a youth himself back then, so <laughs> Yeah, I wow, okay. Yeah, that is a long time. And I mean that was a very exciting time to become a uh a fan. Uh, we were in a huge transition, uh break in the club's uh history up until then, one really does have to say. Um who who was your favorite player back then?
2: Uh
0: or, or still is, of course, if he's
2: <laughs> Well my favorite player was Mikel Balak. Uh I think it was the 2002 World Cup that I really, uh, I watched him and he somehow impressed me amongst all the other Brazilians who were probably impressing many other people around the world and somehow the German team at that time uh, who relied more on teamwork and instead of individual flair or skills, I guess, uh, caught my attention and I was a big fan of Miroslav Kloza and Mikhail Balak until they retired and I was really excited when Balak joined us. It was a shame that most of the career or at least like part of the career he was injury prone but, but I still loved having him here.
0: Ah, okay. Well, I, I can only agree with you because Mikhail Balak is actually one of my favourite players to ever wear the shirt uh, as well. I, I just thought he was brilliant. Uh, he he was what epitomized that Chelsea old guard for a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. And always loved the term which the British media used, Mercedes penalty. <laughs> you can still remember that. I absolutely adored that. Yeah. Okay. Um,
2: uh, I just want to clarify one thing. I think I just said it was the 2003-04 or season, but it was 2002-03 or season. So, wow, okay. yeah. Small wow. mistake. Yeah. Nice.
0: <laughs> no, no problem. No problem. Um, yeah, well, I mean, that is a very long time of of being a Chelsea fan, and I mean, compared to what's happening this year, quite different, <laughs> quite different state of affairs back then. I mean, what, what have you made of this year as a Chelsea fan living in, in India, living in Finland? <laughs> uh-huh. Finland, excuse me, sorry, yeah, nowhere is there uh this year is i'm gonna cut that sorry because that that sounds ridiculously okay sorry about that uh let me let me just quickly think how am i gonna start restart this um you can see a Chelsea
1: fan from India living in Finland that's sounds pretty cool
0: okay 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 continue sorry (laughs)
2: uh yeah uh so this year has been really exciting hasn't it i i was i have to be honest when when it was announced that Frank Lampard was going to be the manager, I thought maybe it was too soon, but mm. but yeah, slowly not slowly. I think it's already like I'm definitely convinced with the way we're moving forward. And yes, there there were a few hiccups here and there with not with the performances for me, but with the results mostly. And I think this is to be expected with with the kind of squad we have and uh, mm. the playing level and and also the management who is pretty inexperienced in terms of senior-level management. So I'm, I'm definitely excited and looking forward to having the same set of uh, squad, including the coaching staff, for, for a longer time, and hopefully we'll have like a legacy to build on.
0: Yeah, I mean, that, that is what everyone is hoping for, definitely. <laughs> um course it remains to be seen if the club will give us the time to do that um but of course uh, you know spirits are high motivations there and i think we we have now gotten to know uh you a little bit better and thank you very much for sharing uh your story if one can say that um and i think now we can move on to the last week of football for chelsea and that will be grimsby town and as we've already alluded to at the start ram uh-huh. <laughs> academy day at Stamford bridge Oof. one could really call it this i mean take take us through what what you felt when you saw that lineup come out you got i have to i have to know listen this <laughs> is academy Day,
1: okay 15 minutes against Sporting Lisbon in a dead of Champions League match is not Academy Day. Please, Mr. Jose Mourinho, take note. Uh, <laughs> Penny for Tom Solanke's thoughts, dude. Anyway, um, also, also when you play Ruben Loftus-Cheek out of position at number 10 and then, you know, slag him off in the press and take him off at halftime, that also isn't Academy Day. Another thing. Um, but yeah, when I saw the lineup, I was just like, okay, I am... I'm like... I'm framing this whenever I you know, get a place of my own <laughs> because, geez, what, what, what a lineup. Like, I
0: generally believe <laughs> you will.
1: <laughs> uh, don't be surprised if I do. Uh, I'm being serious here. <laughs> so, um, oof. I, I expected the kids to be involved when Lampard was here, but uh, not to this extent, but I guess I shouldn't be surprised knowing that his assistant manager is literally Jody Morris who knows, who knows these kids inside out basically. And uh, he was managing so many of them uh, as recently as like last last season, which isn't really that long time ago, if you think about it. And yeah, I guess, I guess some of them were due their senior debuts to be fair. Remember how Mark he was on the bench in Maurizio Sari's last game and he wasn't brought on, uh, which really, really grinded my gears at the time. But, yeah, uh, I think that was well-deserved for everyone who got on the pitch. They've all been exceptional for the youth team. Uh, right from uh, Tino Anjurin, who's really come into his own since uh, maybe second half of last season. Angeren, Matson, Mattson, uh, gilmore we, we all know about him now. Uh, he was always begged for, like, special things when he came from Rangers. And he and yeah, he won the Under-17 World Cup. I mean, these kids still have pedigree, you know. it's It's not just, like, our golden generation is... Out with Hudson Odoi and Andres James, and Mason Mount. So yeah, it was yeah, it was incredible to see them get the opportunity. And the even even better is that you know uh, because we have the um, Johnston's Paint Trophy. Now who am I kidding? It's called the Leasing.com Trophy now uh, because you have that because you have that tournament. Some of these kids have already played against senior pros. They know what it's like. So I wasn't you know I wasn't scared that Grimsby would just. Uh, play in what Jose Mourinho's words would be 19th century football, which is just uh, punt the ball up the pitch to James Hansen who's a monster in the air. I mean, they did do that and they did score like that, but you know, it wasn't, it wouldn't have been that big a challenge for our youngsters now because they've come up against it. And boy, did they pass the test of fine colours. I thought everyone did really well. Uh, I thought Pulisic also did well, although he could have done better. But yeah, I'm, I'm basically I'm buzzing, dude. I mean, look at that, look at that lineup. After all, the three subs had been made like. I'm in dreamland. <laughs> that is basically... Oof. Yeah. Uh, I'm getting all flustered thinking about it. So, <laughs> Naren, you should probably take over now. Uh,
2: yeah. Echo similar thoughts, to be honest. Uh, like I said, at the beginning of the season, I don't think we would have, like, seen this, this squad, especially after the two substitutions were made, and then the uh, 65th minute mark or whatever. And, yeah... Uh, it was so exciting to see this, This uh, the energy that they had, especially. Yeah, the final product probably is a bit lacking. Uh, but the way the movement of the forwards, uh, the the left back when Ian Martin, when whenever he found space, the, the runs that he was making and trying to put crosses in, and same with Billy Gilmore, I guess. Uh, who who kept it really simple at the same time looked really sh- assured and almost uh, veteran like. I'd say, uh, yeah, I was hoping to see more goals from Hudson Adoy, but again, like I said, uh, like you all <clears throat> mentioned, I think it's just, uh, it's just the first game and maybe in the few in the coming games he will he'll score more.
0: Yeah.
1: Jimmy, let's not let's not go past this without having your own thoughts.
0: <laughs> well, no, I I, I agree. Uh, also, please please try and sound ecstatic. And uh, <laughs> no, of course I'm ecstatic. I, I'm coming to the to the euphoria in a second. Now, I I just wanted to uh, link up where Naren said, uh, of course, Callum Hudson or Doyle like, could have scored more. Yeah, I mean, that that's that's the point. You know, of course he should have done better. Uh, on so many one-on-one situations because he always hit it against the goalkeeper. But the good thing about that is that we know that he can do it better. He, yeah, yeah. he was having his scoring boots on permanently at the back end of last season. Well, when Maurizio Sari eventually started, uh, playing him more frequently. Um, but you know, that, that's, that's rustiness, uh, as both of you already alluded to, um, I, I'm definitely excited because I think that after scoring that 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 goal, even though you know maybe it was a bit, oh, it wasn't really luck. It wasn't luck involved, but it was just you know he was already knackered and uh, all that. But he got his goal at the end, uh, despite needing numerous chances to convert one for once. But that was imperative. I think we will see uh, Hudson Odoi. Uh, be full of confidence now he signed his new deal he's you know rolling in the cash <laughs> <laughs> definitely rolling in the cash and um he's, he's you know he scored his goal he got i think it was half an hour which i thought was great that 60 minutes that's what we all wanted to see lampard do namely uh subbing in at uh, minute 60 yeah uh, and and that happened and i wouldn't be surprised if we see him start against leo uh on on wednesday though We'll still talk about Lil in just a bit. But yeah, that, that, that was that was brilliant. Um, I mean, for me, the standout performer was, of course, Rhys James uh, from uh, a youth point of view. I know Billy Gilmer was absolutely fantastic as well. And, you know, kudos to him. Uh, there's a reason why the likes of Sesk and so on all lauded him on Twitter. But, you know, for me, Rhys James is one player where i knew okay next of course Callum hudson doy he is the most likely to get into this side so of course i was the most excited and most intrigued to see what he could do defensively you know he wasn't really uh necessitated to do anything much uh so one can't really assess was he good defensively is he an upgrade on aspliqueta i mean in theory and on paper we would say yes of course but you know, we need to see him play against Premier League opposition to really uh, assess that. And I think you're right that the next game against Southampton might actually see him start, which I'd be over the moon to, to finally see him start in the Premier League. But yeah, um, so attacking wise, it's just it was just a breath of fresh air. You know, as full as Pelletier has done over the years, attacking wise. Although he has been okay over the last few games, um, it's just not his virtue. And Rhys James, he just bossed it. Let's be frank. (laughs) He he absolutely bossed it and showed what we have been lacking uh, this season uh, going forward at right back. And, yeah, I'm absolutely excited, even though you might not hear it at the moment, Ram. Um, I'm really excited to see what he can bring to the uh, table. In uh, or over the next few weeks, yeah. Um, uh, so regarding Grimsby, uh, I think that's that's uh, unless you, any of you two, still wants to add something that I think we, we can move on to the more uh recent yeah, games. Just, just one more point
2: regarding uh, yeah. about Billy Gilmore. So- I just want to say that I really like the way how he uh asks for a pass whenever he's in space and someone out wide has the ball, and it's almost it's really cute and almost like like uh, Georgina or Fabregas sometimes when when uh, asking for a pass and, and just like sometimes I think Ampadu also does it like whenever he's free and he always asks calls for the ball and yeah as as fans I think we are all like looking to see this that the youngsters take not just responsibility but also uh, dictate the play sometimes and
0: and make the moves and all yeah yeah. No, no, valid point. Yeah,
1: I don't think we. Um, I mean, yeah, Gilmore was obviously given enough credit, but uh, I, I think it's very understated that he has his level, his level of awareness is very, very high for someone that young, and that's that's the kind of thing you want in players that are that young. I mean, you you want the mental attributes to be there before the physical ones eventually develop, right? Because he's still eighteen years old. He's got room to grow physically and a lot to be coached yet, but if you have the vision to see passes and you know get into the areas to receive the ball and just the way Narain said, uh, there's I mean there's nothing like it. You're tipped your tip for the very top if you can do if you can do that. So that's yeah, it, it was brilliant to see Billy Gilmore uh, acquit himself in that manner among among men.
0: I, I agree. You know that that's something which people have been. Um, you know critic am not criticizing but you know just noting hey i could pose a problem but you know uh, i've read a few uh, complaints about this comparison on twitter but you know twitter the complaints about everything um <laughs> point is i think david silver is a really good example of someone who is very you know uh lean and uh not physically imposing but nevertheless can make a difference you know he controls the game or i mean he used to he's still a good player but he's on on the wrong side of 30 nowadays yeah but um you know i I really do think that he has it in him to be uh, of that format uh, and I, i i don't think that it's a good time um so now, say now, OK, when will he get into this team and when will he be a regular? Because we are so congested at mid, uh, in midfield, you know, Um, even without considering Barkley in this equation. You've got Ruben Loftus-Chi coming back. You've got uh, Jorginho, Kante, Kovacic, Mason Mount, of course. um, And you still have Tino Andrin coming through as well, who's also... Uh, quite skilled and talented. So uh, I think Billy Gilmer um, next season, you know, he'll profit from uh, always playing with the, uh, or training with the, the, the first team and learning from Lampard's His tutelage will be in, invaluable, of course, for the rest of his career. Um, but he really needs a championship loan next year. I, I really would love to see him go to the championship side where we know he'll get minutes and uh thrive and then he can come back you know then some of our other midfielders will be 2 years older you never know what can happen up until then um mm-hmm. I, I think that 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 would make sense also depends whether mason mount is going to be playing on the wing more frequently now or not you know <laughs> you never know um but yeah so it, it'll be interesting to see that but let's move on to brighton um we won 2 nil. And Uh it was the first clean sheet of the season. I mean, first first home win. Yeah. Yeah. If that is not. Well, yeah. First Premier League win. Yeah. Yeah. True. Uh, (laughs) But if that's not a a reason to to celebrate, then I don't know what is. Um, Naren, what were your initial thoughts after that game? Because it was, as we've come to be a customized with Chelsea this season, a bit of an up and down affair at times
2: yeah uh a little bit of of uh, grimsby like i guess it's like we created enough chances especially after the first half but i think most of them would be like f- finished if 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 the same players got another chance i would say uh and zero zero 0-0 at half time was was probably a we uh it was too uh, how do i say it it's it was in Brighton's favor, definitely. It was giving them credit, but we—I thought we really uh, controlled the game, not just the first and the second half as well. Yeah, uh, and then the penalty, thanks to the pressing from from our forwards and and uh, almost like snatching uh, a goals out of nothing there. And after after one nail, I thought, yeah, uh, when Brighton came came forward with with their players, we had you know. Chances to make it to uh, yeah with with the counter and uh, with the number of counters that we've had yes and of course the goal was again you yeah. uh, know you wouldn't say lucky but because we meant to do that but one uh, one issue or like not issue but one place where I panic always is whenever we defend set pieces and and I guess yeah we came closer as all as any other time to consider goal but yeah thanks to the crossbar i guess and this time the clean sheet is ours
0: mm, 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 mm. Uh, well i mean, we we have had a lot of uh how shall i say not too much luck uh in the past so it was actually uh quite nice to see that go in from william uh, who had quite a good game? One does has got to say. Um, but before we was sound disappointed. <laughs> uh, uh, well, uh, uh, I'll, hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, William and me, we have a bit of a difficult relationship. But you know, he has been uh, performing reasonably well, and credit where credits due. Though his his consistency and being more clinical up front, that is still something which he hasn't overcome. But why would he? He's, you know, he's past the the thirty mark. That won't change anymore. But yeah. Credit where credit's due as said. But before we continue with our assessment of the Brighton game, we're just gonna take a brief break. Right. So getting back to Brighton, um
1: you know, for me I expected a tough game. And I think I told you as much last time we did the podcast, because Brighton have some good things going on for them this season. However, they also are in a transitional season, much like ourselves. Like, they have taken a huge shift away from the pragmatic style of football that Chris Houghton was playing there. And Chris Houghton, you know, he preferred to keep his sides more or less with the same core. And even when they signed some new players, he was a little loath to... Play them freely, like Florinando and uh, Yves Bissouma, uh, even Bernardo, for that matter. But yeah, w- what Graham Potter has come and do- uh, come in and done is he is he's completely changed things. Brighton are now a possession-oriented side, although we did not see that against uh, Chelsea. But they they play three-five-two. Their their main game is to either you know play their way through with possession, keeping keeping the ball with them. But they're not afraid to play direct at all. Like they're really good with uh, drawing out your opponent's press and then you're just just ripping right through it and they have the center backs for that kind of game as well so i was i was yeah i was quite scared that you know theoretically they are are kryptonite but that surprisingly wasn't the case because the level of intensity we played throughout the game was magnificent i thought like everyone was everyone was putting in the yards and pressing, I mean, doing really well off the ball, like our, some of our pressing was very high intensity, uh, pretty risky even, but we always managed to win the ball back and that was good. And, uh, I thought that the only moments of danger for us came from that one Dan Byrne set piece, if you remember, um, where he, I mean, he, he almost scored, it crashed into the crossbar because, you know, he's too tall and he smashed it into the ground Uh, And then the the other moments of worry were like once was when Alzate ran through our defense and when Adam Webster uh, from center back just ran through our entire midfield again and went right up to the final third. So, yeah, I think that's another problem. Like our midfield was way, way too easy to run through um, on those two occasions. And yeah, we've done very well regaining it high up. And that definitely aided us here. And on the on the balance of the game, we, we I mean we deserve to get the luck of luck of Adam Webster messing things up um, and what got us our first goal because on expected goals we should have had like four. It was four point something to point five seven or point seven or something like that. So yeah, we created a lot of chances. We played really well, and uh, it was a more than fair result. And I thought that was. I'm going to go so far as to say that it was our best performance of the season after the Super Cup in Liverpool. So, Wait a minute. Yeah. What about Wolves? I mean, yeah, Wolves, Wolves was fine. But, I mean, we we weren't defensively very good at the time. This time, I thought we were defensively pretty sound as well.
0: But that was because you know? Brighton was toothless. They were I, absolutely, will, I mean, they're in disarray. And Wolves, despite them also being in, in you know, struggling this season and being in trouble, uh, they still have... Far more of an attacking threat than than uh, Brighton has every, I mean, you know any day of the week. I mean that's I, fine, I, I think but... It's harsh, just, but you know if it's your, point, uh, your opinion, yeah. that's right. it's uh, wrong. Yeah. But you know, <laughs> uh,
1: I think it's it's supposed to meant. I mean, uh, what am I saying? It's meant to reflect uh, less on the opponent and more on us because I think that either I mean both Brighton and Wolves are pretty bad defensively uh, in either game. But the way our attacks were flowing against Brighton was it was much better than I saw against Wolves. Like and I think that reflects in the expected goals. Like we we should have won. We should have won by a lot more than we did. Like if the score line, if we scored the number of goals we did against Wolves, that would have probably been fair on this on this count, right? Um, mm. because we actually got into their penalty area on a number of occasions and we somehow, somehow did not manage to score. And, uh, on on the other hand, against Wolves, we had, like, Tammy Abraham, like, embarrassing their defenders and scoring from distance, which is obviously, uh, not from distance, I mean, a tight angle, which is obviously really good, but um, it's not the clear, clear-cut kind of opportunity that reflects well on the attacking system you're playing, you get what I mean? So, in that in that way, I thought Brighton was very, very pleasing for me to watch. Uh, I don't know if you would agree with that, Naren, what do you think?
2: Uh, yeah, definitely, and... The performance was right up there. And speaking of uh, positions posing attacking threat, I think once you have these six foot five plus defenders who are uh, whom you have to mark, and then you have to defend a set piece, I think that equates to an attacking threat for Chelsea by default. Like how the way things are going right now, Uh, and I think that is that was also like part of the game plan of Brighton just to get. As many corners or free kicks as possible and put the ball into the dangerous area. And because why not? That's where our weakness was. And uh, speaking of uh, the goals that we should have scored, yes, like I said before, I think all three of them, including Barkley, would have like scored that kind of goal if they got another chance. Then, yeah, I think it's just uh, we somehow just keep trying to. Place the ball, or I'm not really sure what the problem is, or maybe I'm just thinking too much into it. Somehow most of the shots are either at the keeper or, or like, just wide away. (laughs) I'm sure with with time these things will get, like, sorted out. and The way, and I think if we, like, finish the chances that we create, or at least the the very good chances uh, that we create, I think we'll be considered as as like top four uh contenders but right now oh. since oh. <laughs> yeah we are, i mean I, I was at sarcasm <laughs> because i think we are we should be there but at least the way that uh that pundits talk i don't think like we are there. by default i don't think we are considered to be top four uh we'd end up in top four position at the end of the season.
1: Okay, wow, that's... Hmm, that's rather confident of you.
0: (laughs) But that's what we need, isn't it? I mean, confidence. Yeah, I guess, yeah. (laughs) Oh,
2: I think that... um... Yeah, I'm sorry. I think the only... The way to... Of course, most most teams start strong, don't they? Especially in the first few months of the season. Uh, I think the way that Frank and Jody Morris or whoever they have to be like really intelligent enough to rotate well, and so that the high the high intensity remains even uh, at the even during April or May. And yeah, I think if if that's the case, I'm pretty sure we'll finish in top four.
0: Yep. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean. <laughs> i am i w I'm I'm not so sure if we will uh finish in the top four, but you know, mm. it's not something that um we can really influence too much anymore. Um because this is a process and I mean I'd love it, but I'd also oh, understand well, if we didn't so. of course. Yeah. Of course we, I mean hey wait, 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 of course I'd love <laughs> it as well. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, yeah, okay. No no <laughs> I mean, I know I've been a bit pessimistic recently, but, you know, of course I want us to be in, uh, make, you know, make top four uh, this season. Um, uh-huh. But it's just, I think despite our recent good showings, the consistency could just be a problem.
1: Yeah, listen, I'm not expecting it. So, yeah, mm. expectations are still firmly very low. So I mm. think it should just remain that way throughout the entire season. Uh, listen, uh, one thing... Um, something else that comes out of the Brighton game is a talking point that, in my opinion, shouldn't really be a talking point. You know what okay. I'm talking about? Let
2: me guess. Is it the penalty thing again? Oh no, no, it's not the penalty thing. Oh, uh, that
1: was a, that's a okay. good shout though. <laughs> oh, that that would have been a good shout. Yeah, that yeah. is that that that's a pretty good shout. But this also begins with P and. Oh yeah. It's purely <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so, purely punitage. Yeah. Do, do I mean? <laughs> Listen, I I see us after such a satisfying win, but I still see so many uh, things here and there about why isn't Pulisic playing? Why wasn't he brought on instead of Bachwai? Uh you know, is oh why didn't we cry out loud the same way when uh, Moradzi Osare did not play toy? Uh Firstly, I just, yeah. <laughs> I, I've I've seen these things, man. I've seen these things. Um. firstly those two situations are not the same and c- comparing Lampard season to Sarri season is also pretty uh unadvisable is what I'd say but yeah I-, I think this Pulisic thing basically is pretty much a non-issue and I think that I mean I hope that we'll just be laughing back at it when we're in like February in the Champions League knockout rounds and he scored like 10 goals or something. See, I, I, th- I think he's a good player. I just think that he's gone through a spell of discontinuity when Jadon Sancho had his emergence. And he also got injured. So let's not forget that. So he he's, he wasn't exactly coming from Dortmund after, you know, um, absolutely trailblazing over there in his last season or last, last few months. Uh, he did have a couple of impressive performances that I remember, but he wasn't... As key to them as he was when he, you know, made his emergence or his breakthrough. Or what bumped him up to sixty million in the first place? So he is undoubtedly a good player, but he he's young. He's like twenty years old, for God's sake. And it's okay if he doesn't play like uh, you know two two thirds of the last five games or whatever. I mean, he started the season right. He started the season by starting, and he wasn't. He wasn't that good. Yes, he did directly contribute to some goals, but in general play, I found him a bit lacking. And I'm I'm like, okay, yeah, he, he needs time to adapt. He needs time to get back into uh, the groove of things. He needs to firmly be impressing Lampard in training, which we don't know about and we can just speculate. But yeah, basically, I think it's a non-issue. And I think that there's a little too much furor over something that there really shouldn't be. I mean, what do you think, Jim? Well,
0: I, I just want to uh, emphasize here that... Um because I've been also talking about this on another podcast um, that the thing is even though people think it's oh, why is this being uh, addressed it's something that is just on the minds of many people yeah especially as espination is an american blog uh, or an american based blog um it is of course a topic which interests people now i think Interpreting too much into his uh, omission is over the top and I would never say Lampard has a, an agenda against him because he's not an English player that's ridiculous uh, what I do believe and I hope that uh, people don't get you know uh, get this twisted is that he doesn't necessarily trust him yet because he's from a different league uh, he hasn't worked with Pulisic before he He's just gotten to know him while all these other Chelsea youth products, despite them also being, you know, in quotation marks, a risk because they haven't played in the premier league. Like for example, Reese James or Mason Mount. um, These are known quantities to Lampard. You know, he, he knows what he'll get from them, what kind of vices they have or what mistakes they probably could make. And that's just something that he can't tell with Pulisic yet. And, I think he's just trying to protect him a bit because we've already heard from from um, Lampard that he thinks highly of him and he thinks that Pulisic will come good eventually. But and I don't know how how much uh, veracity there is to this, but apparently Pulisic isn't able to implement his directions appropriately. Um, I think it was against. Grimsby Town, where Callum Hudson-Odoi was getting in behind. That was the, uh, the directions that were given to him by Frank Lampard. And Pulisic, and, you know, we know that he's got a great work ethic. He, he just wasn't able to do that as effectively as Callum Hudson-Odoi. You know, that, that's why I've been hearing slash reading. Whether that's true is a completely different story. I think we just have to give it time. What, what do you think, Naren?
2: Uh, my concern with, with Pulisic is, it's like, I think he's already in the, in the fourth choice, or even fifth choice, if you consider Mount as, as a winger now. Uh, I'm really not sure, from apart from the occasional uh, League Cup game and, and the FA Cup game, if we get drawn against lower league opponents. If he is going to feature in any of the games, at least, uh, barring any injuries, of course.
1: Don't you think uh, he'll get his chance off the bench, though? He's in the
2: uh, squad every every game. Well, he has to. But I think for that, Lampard is probably looking. Or maybe I'm just guessing here. Uh, probably looking to have a, a sizable lead in the game and to bring him on. Uh, then again, Batshuayi needs chances. Barkley needs more playing time. Of course, yeah, he played the last two games. But Jeez, I once, hope not. <laughs> once Conte is back, I think... Barkley is going to get benched, and I'm sure he's going to be brought on occasionally as well. And yeah, yeah, I'm not saying he's not going to get on the pitch ever, but maybe it's not going to be satisfactory for him. And with the, and as Jimmy mentioned a few minutes ago, like we are very congested, and especially in the attacking positions, and and it's it's not like far away that we are going to see like some player wants to move out or at least some rumors circulating some players at for in the next year or so <laughs> you yeah. know so i would be concerned if i were his fan like uh some of them some of the people are but right now i'm just like team chelsea and i don't care who plays
1: <laughs> <laughs> good man <laughs> that's the spirit um but you know what you did. You did raise a pretty interesting point with the other P, which is the penalty. Um, so yeah, what do you? What do we think of this penalty? Jeez, uh, what, what do we got? It is it a saga? Is it? It's not long enough to be a saga, but it just what whatever it is. Um, is it also just a non-issue? Is he rotating penalty takers each week? Was he just protecting Ross Barkley? Do we really care? Uh, Jimmy, what, what do you say?
0: <laughs> well, I I have a, a very likely answer to that. But before we get into that, uh, we're just going to take a quick break. Okay, so penalties. Everyone loves to talk about penalties. Um, we've had three penalties recently and three different penalty takers. Now this has caused quite a bit of debate because uh, the one that counted the most, arguably, um, was you know hit against the the bar the crossbar by Ross Barkley, and it cost us a point. Um, that could prove to be a you know the the a decisive one in course of our Champions League group stage campaign, but you know what's happened happened and the, th- the question is of course was lampard telling us the truth in regard to barkley being our number one penalty taker now i don't know um i think this is more like a situation of okay i had barkley as our number one penalty taker because we know he can he, he can score them but um the problem is <sighs> He's a confidence kind of guy. You know, if he's on confidence, he can play well, but with that penalty that he missed and the backlash that he got on Twitter, which I must say, even though I was very, very mad at Ross Barkley um, for, you know, well, mad, I was disappointed in Ross Barkley. You know, the abuse that he got was absolutely uncalled for and vile and should never be condoned. Um, But, you know, I, I, I could see Frank Lampard's protecting him because of that now. Uh, why Pedro took the penalty uh, against Grimsby Town, I think that was just because, you know, there was no real penalty taker on the pitch. Uh, well, I don't think was... There. <laughs> there was Barkley there, but I think he just yeah. uh, he just took him off penalty duty for now because he doesn't want to put him under that pressure. Uh, Barkley is in a situation where he wants to build up some confidence because he hasn't always been performing consistently well. He'd had a great preseason, as he does tend to have, and then, bam, same old, same old. So I think Lampard is trying to build up some confidence in him there. And that penalty shattered quite a bit of it. So I can see why he would take him off that. Um, for me, Jorginho is our number one penalty taker. And also, you know, a lot of people will disagree here, but he's our future captain. He, you know, he has all the qualities that one needs to be a captain. He's vocal. Uh, he motivates and galvanizes the team when necessary, directs them. And that's someone who I'd also trust my uh, our penalties uh, with as well so that that that's that is you know eventually something where maybe Lampard learned out of his uh, prior choices and thought okay yeah I understand why Jorginho um, will be our number one penalty taker the way he takes it his technique is a bit of a risk as it was with Hazard but it pays off uh, more often than not and I couldn't be more happy with 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 his choice now. Yeah, that that would be my two cents to that. Um, I, I don't know if you guys agree. Um, I, I'm gonna kind of uh, throw the ball to you, Naren. What 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 before we before uh, Ram tells us what he thinks about the matter. Um, what 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 do you think about this penalty discussion? Because you were also the the one that brought it up. Um, <laughs>
2: Well, I think that Lampard was probably protecting Ross Barkley. I don't think there was any designated penalty taker or at least something that mm-hmm. Lampard uh, announced in the dressing room or maybe during training or anything. I don't think the players would have like come closer to take the penalty if that had been the case. But then again, I don't think anyone was trying to impede Barkley's uh, concentration maybe apart from billion when he asked are you sure maybe twice or yeah, three yeah. times too many uh, but it's, then again I wouldn't yeah. like uh, place the blame on anyone else I think it was just a poor penalty it was not I mean yeah it was It was something that Barkley had to score but then again a lot of people missed penalties uh, uh, yeah about that game I think it was just that we were trying to find a scapegoat and because the overall uh, we didn't create that many chances until then but but then again uh, right now I think I'm happy with Giorgino taking penalties especially with a calmer mind I think it's beneficial mm. to the team right now and talking about abuse that Barkley got uh, I mean it's still sometime. yeah I mean some of us or at least some of the fans don't want him to be part of the squad but even after playing well against Brighton I saw that people abused team, or at least said like he shouldn't be anywhere near the first team squad he should just sit on the bench or i mean yeah in a way that's kind of uncalled for after like 60 odd minutes of playing well healing his Lincoln play was good yes he missed one chance but then again these things happen and don't need to like get overblown uh, by
0: by Aaron, can i can i just quickly interrupt you there because i'd be very much interested in what you have to say here um you said Barkley played well. Now I'm not going to uh slant him for or slander him for starting, yeah. but the thing is, because you know he doesn't pick himself, you know that that's not Barkley's fault for for playing for, for you know for crying out loud, that's that's ridiculous that people are holding that against him. But I personally didn't think they played well, but but the thing is, Barkley needs this extra touch. He is low on confidence. Personally, I believe Um and he just seemed out of tact. He, he, he didn't, you know, even the people where you'd normally hear others uh, criticizing them for many things, me, for example, Marcus Alonso and William, but they were trying to play this quick football and getting it quickly up the pitch, one touch at a time, and um, hitting Brighton where it hurts as fast as possible, because, you know, defensively at the back, they were uh, quite well set up. And Barkley just always took this touch too many. And it broke down the whole move. Because if you need that one moment to think about it, then the opponent has the chance to set himself up. And I thought that's why Barkley didn't have a good game. But that's not entirely his fault. That's just the way he is. And why I don't think he's the, a natural fit to the way Lampard is playing at the moment. Apart from against the Grimsby Towns or so on uh but not for the premier league that that's my opinion but that's not like a, a, a um taking a huge dig at uh, barkley and criticizing for that because that's just the way Barclay is don't uh, would you what what do you think about that
2: uh this extra touch uh yeah i well if you looked at the games i think last season this was case more often than not but nowadays i even uh, okay you just said it was an easier position. But even like the games against Grimsby, uh, the game against Grimsby, he was like linking up well with one-touch passing, I thought, at least with when his back was uh, facing the goal uh, with the strikers and midfielders. Uh, even against Brighton, I saw like three or four instances where, where he linked up well. and uh, I think uh, there was one chance that he created in here uh, that was... Was that, was that his... Uh, Okay, I think I just lost something, but I just okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, I was going to say, okay. yeah. Uh, I thought he linked up well, but then again, there are uh, circumstances or like stages where you rightly said that he takes one touch too many, maybe. And I think I can see that at least he's trying to fit into the squad, and he's and he's definitely not playing like how he was playing last season. He's definitely getting better. If not, I mean, not at the levels of, say, Jorginho or someone, but, or even mm-hmm. Mount, who is now definitely much better player. But I can see that, like, he's improving at least. And, and the the disadvantages are, like, with the playing time, and uh, I think now when Conte is fit and Mount is going to play, Kovacic will probably be, uh, ahead of Barkley. and if he gets like 10 or 15 minutes every game from now on I don't think he's going to improve that much by the end of the season but but then again uh, we all know that he's, he's probably like uh, if not in the summer of 2020 maybe by 2021 he will probably leave
0: okay uh,
1: my god you are very generous to Oscar there
2: uh, I am. I am. Uh, I just after the match and uh, not after the match. I think when he was subbed off. I mean, the look on his face. I don't know. I just thought that yeah, he could. He should have like finished the game at least. But because yes, he's not a, that good a player. But but he was trying definitely. And I know people yeah. say. I know people say like, uh, it's trying is not enough or whatever or Alvaro Morata or whatever. Yeah. But then <laughs> yeah, I just. I just that's that's your opinion. Probably yeah, like,
1: that's great.
2: Yeah, that's your opinion. Uh I could just like I guess empathize with him in a way because yeah, he just ran a lot, I guess, and that's that's still uh, not just run, but yeah, making those runs with without the ball from the midfield and yeah, that that means he's just trying and
1: yeah. Good for him. Yeah, I mean yeah, I can I can agree with you there. He has, he has good attributes. Okay, he is technically good on the ball. That's what I think, and he can like barge through midfield on occasion. Oh uh, boy, I think his decision making needs a lot of, lot of, lot of work. I mean, I, I don't know how much work can be put into it now. How how old is he? He's like is he like twenty five or something?
0: Twenty five, yeah, something like yeah. that.
1: Yeah, I mean that's that's like Adam Lallana territory, right? Sorry, that guy's like <laughs> 30 now. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, my, my take on Ross Barkley is that he started the game only because uh we didn't have Kante. and we needed like some sort of physical presence in field because maybe he anticipated them playing uh Eves who alongside Dale Stephens makes for like a um, pretty stocky midfield duo. And we would probably get pretty, you know, phys- physically outmatched in midfield if we had Kovacic in there, who isn't exactly the uh, most well-built guy. So I, I think that it is a factor that Ross Barkley is um, he's strong. And he can, he can win the ball back. I mean, uh, by, by, I mean, by a marginally better standard than other midfielders anyway. That's why I think he started the game and I thought that he was uh, quite bad because he does have his moments, okay? As I said, he has his strengths and he can do those things, but there are some things that he just keeps getting wrong in every game because, like, like one thing is he gets into these great attacking positions or he does well to show the awareness to receive the ball in these really good attacking positions. There's a like the zone just outside the penalty area, the central, that central area, right? That that's that zone is like popularly called zone fourteen in like coaching and stuff. So but Barkley is the type of guy to receive the ball a lot in those zone fourteen kind of areas. And the problem is his decision making from there like takes an absolute downward trajectory because either he shoots when there's a very low probability of scoring or he takes like an extra touch and he wastes the position. He he wastes the situation. That's that's what I find very, very irritating because to work yourself into a good position and then squander it uh, that way is... Yeah, that, that that's not great. That, that's why I think that if, if Barkley had a better footballing brain, he'd be like... He would probably be like an elite-level player in England, at least. So, yeah, it's sad to see that hold him back and I definitely think that he should be like last-choice midfielder after Kante comes back because, as uh, as you said, Naren, when when Kante comes back, I think that Kovacic is probably going to be ahead of him in the back order. So, I, th- I think to maintain that balance, Barkley played and, yeah, I mean, I have nothing against him. I just think that he really holds us back. He holds himself back with things like that. So, yeah, for, if if I were a manager, Ross Barkley would not be playing too many minutes. Uh,
2: but, yeah. So, yeah, one more thing yeah? could be like, yeah, uh, he from Chelsea's point of view, he must have played because I think the midweek game is much more important and probably like he, uh, I'm not probably almost definitely Kovacic will be starting the game Maybe, maybe. maybe.
1: Good, and, point.
2: And, Good point. And I don't think Ross is going to or like Barkley is going to get a chance anytime soon. So maybe. Yeah. And it's, it's Brighton, which has to be like the top three easiest fixtures. Oh,
1: dude, is. it's not. It's not. Listen,
0: uh, no, uh, not yeah, no. I, think not word on this. <laughs> I think that's a difficult topic to to. <laughs> to so, talk uh, to the
2: um, uh, easiest fixtures in the Premier League. Brighton at home, do you think it's still not easy?
0: Uh, no, still I, not I think it's country. not easy. I think it's
1: not easy. Uh, I'm, like, I'm, I'm not going to spend too much time talking about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah of We course. have to move on to Lille. But um, I think that we're all going to be a little surprised by where Brighton end up eventually. And that I think that we were just too good for them on the day. I thought we played very well and we were too good for Brighton, who I mean, um they lost like four 0 to Man City, but they played I, I watched that game and I thought they played much better than they did play against us. And they probably should have lost four 0 against us as well. So um I think yeah, I, I think we played against them like Man City would play against them. So yeah, basically I really liked the way we played. And I think I don't think that should be an indictment on Brighton. Anyway, uh, yeah that's enough of me being a pseudo brighton um m you know sympathist <laughs> but yeah um on on to Lille. um champions League night is upon us once again feels like we just played valencia anyway um Lille are in a pretty strong position they are fourth in their league they are pretty low for expected goals considered they are pretty I, damn they're fourth in expect-
2: the they're fourth yeah. in the champions league group as well <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, for the time being, uh, they they've they've been doing pretty well in the league. Uh, as I said, they're they're like uh, fifth fifth um, best for expected goals conceded, which means they're not giving away many quality chances. Uh, they are creating a lot of quality chances because they are only behind Monaco and PSG for expected goals for. Uh, so yeah, it's going to be a challenge. Uh, like I said, none of these none of these group games are going to be easy, whether they're at home, whether they're away. And yeah, this is the way. So. Uh, expect a tough game again. They are also a young side. They've got some really good young players. Expect Victor Ossiemman to cause mm-hmm. a lot of problems. But um, my prediction for this game is probably going to be a cheeky 1-2 win for Chelsea. I think we might we might just snatch it at the end. Um, Jimmy, what do you think? Just a quick prediction.
0: Yeah, I, I um, completely concur with you. I'd say 2-1 uh, uh, is our best best kind of outcome f- because we're not going to smash them. Although I uh, you know I didn't think we'd smash bra- uh, Brighton Wolves, <laughs> but you know, they're in a much worse shape than 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 Lille. So yeah, I, I think that we'll do well to come away with three points there, even if it's by the narrowest of margins. So I'll go with two one as well.
1: Yeah, fair enough. What about you, Naren? Let's also have like a lineup prediction from you because um I mean, it would be interesting to see who you expect to start uh, in attack.
2: Uh, Yeah, I'm going to be Jose Mourinho for a minute.
1: Okay, Uh, okay.
2: Yeah, Kepa, obviously. uh, I think Alonso is going to start if Emerson is not fit, which I think he won't be. Uh, And then uh, Aspelicueta and Tomori and Christensen. I think Jorginho, Conte, fit if not, I think Kovacic and Mount and then front three of uh William, Pedro, and Tammy. I still think. I think he's going to start with the experience of if Angolo Conta is not fit, with the experience of Pedro and William. And I think we are going to win this two nil because I'm bold today.
1: <laughs> okay. Oh wow. Okay. Uh A, a lot more it's... adventurous than us two winners. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's it's not a must-win game, at least not yet. But I think this is going to be as important as any that we have faced until now.
1: It definitely is. And it's definitely going to be very important for us to continue the momentum that we have um, hopefully gained by beating Brighton, just as Frank Lampard said, and then take it back to the South Coast um, against Southampton on the weekend. So, yeah, we have gone through a number of things today. We've gone through Grimsby, we've gone through Brighton. We've talked about how Brighton actually isn't a bad team <laughs> in, in short spells, uh, no, I'm just kidding. And we have covered Leel. So Naren, it's been really good to have you with us. Um, thank you for joining us today and especially on short notice as we just, we informed you awfully late. So it was really good of you to comply and to come on and hopefully it's been, it's been good for you. So thanks.
2: Uh, thank you so much for having me, hopefully. I didn't mess it up a bit. No, you definitely didn't. Come on.
0: Yeah. Uh, I thought it was very enjoyable. I, yeah. I really enjoyed it. It was just like a conversation, and this is also a message to everyone else who thinks they're not ready for, uh, for a podcast. You know, this is just a conversation between a few mates that are Chelsea fans, are Chelsea fans, and talk about games.
2: Exactly. And
0: Naren, you, you nailed it. Yeah. Uh, right,
2: You did, dude.
1: Hopefully we can have you back at some point again. In sure, I would, love it would be amazing. So, the at the end yeah. The <laughs> yeah, well, let's not set the bar that high yet. <laughs> we want to have you back.
2: Yeah <laughs> so,
1: Yeah, so that's it for this episode of We and Garner Podcast. Uh,
2: this is Ram and uh, Jimmy, of course, and we are signing off. See ya.